right, welcome everybody. Good morning. Good to be with you. Thanks so much for, for, for being here and uh, making River Glen part of, your, part of your Sunday morning. Before I get going, I want to let you know last weekend was just fantastic around here. We baptized 41 people last weekend. Isn't that great? Yeah, let's give God a hand. Maybe you uh, weren't here last weekend and, and you'd like to get baptized. Maybe you were here. You needed more time to think about it. We just went ahead and filled up our baptistry. It's all heated up, ready to go. Got everything that you need. Just meet us down front after the service. And uh, we'd love to help you take that, uh, that next uh, step. So today we're beginning a new series called Encounters. And what we're doing is leading up to Easter, we're talking about characters in the New Testament that encountered Jesus the last week of his life. But our goal is not just to give you a bunch of information. Our goal is for each of us to have a personal encounter with Jesus. And so we begin with a a woman. Ladies go first. And so we're going to talk about Mary uh, this weekend. Uh, Not Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus, sorry. Uh, There's a lot of other uh, Marys in the New Testament. We're going to be talking about the close friend of Jesus, uh, named Mary, who had a brother named Lazarus and a sister named uh, Martha. Maybe some of you are familiar with her. She had a very powerful encounter with Jesus. Now, when I think about Mary's encounter with Jesus, one word just keeps popping into my mind again and, and again. As somebody that writes and speaks, I know that there are just words in the English language that carry more power, more emotion, more significance than just an ordinary word on a, on a piece of paper. For example, uh, the word confidential. If you see an envelope in your mailbox stamped confidential, it sparks something inside of you, right? I mean, who doesn't want to know what's inside of there, right? But, it, you know, there can also be some fear, you know, what did I do, you know, what's going on uh, here? Or here's another word. How about the word intimacy? Sometimes when I use that word, you know, on the weekend when I'm teaching, I can, I can just feel it drawing people in because uh, we, we want to we know and be known and... Um, at the same time, there's some fear of being found out. I'll tell you another word that's kind of like this is the word eternity. Eternity is a very interesting word. I mean, we all want to have eternal life. We want to make sure that we have eternal life. But when we, when we, when we think about it, we think about, you know, uh, 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 heaven and uh, uh, try to get our mind around it. I mean, we're drawn to, th- to, to thinking about it. But it can also be mind-boggling, and uh, we back off from it. Each of these words just evoke something powerful inside of us. We're drawn to them. We're attracted to them. They're like a magnet. But at the same time, you know what? We're a little bit intimidated. We're a little bit afraid. And there is no word in the English language more like that than the word we're going to talk about today. It's interesting. Many of the great scenes in famous movies are about... This word, I think of the classic scene in the uh, Star Wars movie, A New Hope, when uh, Darth Vader, not Darth Darth Vader, I'm sorry, Obi-Wan Kenobi, there we go, the good guy, uh, drops his lightsaber and gives up his life to Darth Vader for the sake of Luke and the uh, others. I went on YouTube and I watched that old scene. It literally sent chills up and down my my spine. That scene illustrates the word that we're going to talk about today. Here's another movie. Uh, This goes back a little ways, the the movie Schindler's List. Based on a true story, Oscar Schindler risked everything to save the lives of 1,200 Jewish workers in World War II. There's even this scene where he says, oh, I, I could have done so much more. It perfectly illustrates this word. And what happens when we see a movie like that, we're, we're inspired by it, we want to be more like that, 
But then we're a little bit, we walk out, we're a little bit afraid, and we wonder, do I have that in me? Well, the word we're going to talk about today is the word sacrifice. Sacrifice is one of those words that we admire, that we admire it when we see it. There's even a little bit of an adrenaline rush when we see somebody risk for the sake of, of others. But personally, it's a little intimidating and we're kind of afraid of it. But I think all of us would agree, you know, whether this is your first time at church or whether you've been coming to church all your life, that these stories of people sacrificing for the good of others inspire us. These stories are powerful. I'll give you one more example. How many of you have seen the Disney Pixar movie Inside Out? Anybody seen that movie? Uh, quite a few of you. Somebody recommended it to me. I actually watched it this week. Great movie. Very creative. The movie personifies emotions. These characters personify emotions like sadness, uh, anger, joy. Each of these characters represents one of these emotions, and the movie paints a picture of how they shape our lives. The movie really centers around this young girl by the name of Riley and demonstrates how joy, anger, and sadness work together in her brain. Riley goes through pre-adolescence and a lot of change through some turns of, turn of events. Riley's emotion of joy finds herself in a very difficult place. Uh, joy and Riley's childhood friend, this is, this is her childhood friend, Bing Bong, okay, that's, 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 his, that's his name, um, they, they find themselves in this valley uh, where memories cease to exist, and they need to find a way out, or, they will, or they, will, they will become extinct. And here's what's at stake. Little 11-year-old Riley will, will grow up and spend the rest of her life without joy. So take a look at this screen. Take a look at this scene. Come on, Joy, one more time. I got a feeling about this one. Take her to the moon for me, okay? Oh, 
I know it's just uh, animation, but uh, you almost have to keep telling yourself it's just a cartoon. It's just a cartoon. It's just a cartoon. There's just something inspiring about someone willing to make a sacrifice. I think it's something God put inside of us. It just something turns on in, inside of us. But here's the question I want us to wrestle with today. Sure, we're moved by stories of sacrifice, but what is our actual response to stories of sacrifice? Do we continue to be intimidated and walk away? And say, oh, I could, that's not for me. I could never do that. Or when we see a moving story of sacrifice, does it change us? Do we, do we feel inspired to do a heroic act? Do we find ourselves uh, moved to actually make a sacrifice for the good of others? What's our actual response to stories of sacrifice? Well, today I want to share with you a story of sacrifice that inspired Jesus. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Mark uh, chapter 14. We're going to begin in verse 3. And uh, here's what it says. While Jesus was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Mary has done a beautiful thing, Jesus says. So what do you think it has made Mary's sacrifice so beautiful? Well, first of all, it's a beautiful commitment. I want us to go back to verse 3 for a moment. I want to talk a little bit more about the alabaster jar filled with this expensive perfume. This perfume itself is an incredible sacrifice. It's worth a year's wages. Think about your wages. What What do you make? What's your salary? Think about that. I don't know what it would be, you know, 30, 40, 50,000 uh, a year, whatever it might uh, be. But it, but it isn't just a financial, it doesn't just have financial value. There's personal value here, I think. Because it's likely this was a, a family heirloom passed down from generation to uh, generation. But what really strikes me about Mary's encounter with Jesus is this alabaster jar. You know, maybe it was similar to this jar right here. This jar made of a semi-precious material was a treasure itself. It was, it was likely irreplaceable. And the truth is, she didn't need to break it. She could have just poured out the perfume just the same way it was poured in. She could have used a measuring cup, you know, poured a little out, held some back for her, for herself, which is probably what I would have done. But her decision to sacrifice the jar with all the perfume demonstrates the totality of her commitment. Mary is all in. She held nothing back when it came to honoring uh, Jesus. Recently, I, I came across a story about this. Maybe you heard the story when it came out in the, in the news. After the uh, terrorist attacks in, in Paris, uh, a mosque in a, a small suburb around Austin, Texas was vandalized. And uh, a, 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 when a young boy, seven-year-old uh, Jack Swanson and his mother, neither of whom are Muslim, when they heard about this hate crime, little Jack couldn't stop bothering his mom because he wanted to do something about it. And so what he did is he took, it, he took the contents of his piggy bank, about $20, and he donated all of it 
toward the repairs at the uh, mosque. Who knows, maybe he even broke the jar in order to get the money out of it. The leader of the mosque, uh, in response to this sacrificial, the Jack's sacrificial act, said, Jack's $20 are worth $20 million to us. See, it's the totality of the sacrifice that moves us. And it was the totality of Mary's sacrifice that moved Jesus to say what Mary has done is a beautiful thing. Now, why do you think Mary did such a beautiful, uh, made such a beautiful, costly commitment uh, to Jesus? It's interesting, in, in John's gospel, in chapter 12, he records the same story, but he includes some more details uh, to it. He also talks about Mary's encounter with Jesus and the perfume. Here's what it says, Jesus in John, John 12, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. And then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. Now, notice how John's version mentions Lazarus two times, right? And even a third time if you read, read, read further on. Let me give you a little backstory on Lazarus. Three months earlier, Lazarus got sick, but Mary and Martha think he's going to get better. But then Lazarus takes a turn for the worse. And so they send a messenger to notify Jesus to come quickly because Lazarus, Lazarus is going to die. But uh, Jesus lollygags, and when he finally arrives, Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. And it's bad. I mean, his body has started to uh, decay. I like how the King James Version uh, quotes what Martha said. Martha said, he stinketh. Mary and Martha grieved deeply. They did. And Jesus grieves, grieves with them. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. Maybe, you're, maybe, maybe you've heard this. It's two, it's two words. John eleven thirty five 35 says, Jesus, Jesus wept. My favorite memory verse of uh, all time right there. But then Jesus says, roll the stone back from the entrance to the tomb. And in a jaw-dropping moment, he shouts into the tomb and he says, Lazarus, come out. And he did. And now three months later, Lazarus, who was dead and is now alive, is sitting at this dinner table next to Jesus and, and Mary. I mean, what do you think that's worth to Mary? A year's wages? Ten years' wages? There's a saying about sacrifice that goes like this. When you start counting your blessings, you stop calculating the cost. And that's why everybody else in the room is going, whoa, 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 Mary, that's too much perfume. And Mary's going, no, 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 it's, it, it's not. Jesus brought my brother back from the dead. When you start counting your blessings, you stop calculating the cost. And I wonder, what kind of price tag would you put on what Jesus has already done for you? You know, maybe the first time you came in here, you just felt empty, you felt lost, and now Jesus has filled you up with love and hope and purpose and joy. What's that worth to you? Maybe the first time you walked into, into here, your marriage was in shambles, and now it's on the road to recovery. What's that worth? Maybe you walked in here addicted, but through Celebrate Recovery, you found the help and the support you need to get off the drugs or to quit the alcohol or whatever it is to live a life of, of wholeness. What's that worth to you? Maybe you bring your kids here, your children here, and you allow someone to teach them about Jesus in a, in a fun and friendly environment. And when you start counting your blessings, you stop calculating the cost. I think that's why Mary broke that, 
that uh, alabaster jar and just poured out all the, the perfume and made a beautiful commitment uh, to Jesus. But her sacrifice also uh, reveals a beautiful love. I mean, that's what, that's what motivated her is, is love. And love will make us do some, some crazy things, won't it? I would say if there is one theme in movies that's even more dominant than sacrifice, it's love. Uh, for example, uh, here we've got uh, Leonardo uh, DiCaprio, you know, giving himself up right here for Kate, Kate Winslet in the movie. Anybody? Titanic, yeah, very good. And we've got Adam Sandler here singing about love in Wedding Singer. One more. we got one more here. John Cusack holding up a ridiculously big boombox in the movie. Say anything. There you go. You guys are very knowledgeable. We do crazy things for love. Back in college when Marnie and I dated, we had this back and forth uh, romantic relationship. We dated and we broke up and we dated again and then we uh, broke up again. And uh, looking back, I was just a dork. Um, <laughs> and I finally came to my senses and I, I came back groveling, pleading with her. Uh, to, to take me back. It, it's too embarrassing to talk about. But know this, when it comes to love, we sacrifice dignity. We sacrifice pride. We sacrifice self-importance because love always calls for a grand gesture. And Mary, uh, you know, Mary not only pours the, the perfume on, on Jesus' head, she also pours it on his feet and wipes, uh, wipes his feet with her, with, her, with her hair. Now, ladies, can you imagine, try, try to imagine this, you know, wiping somebody's muddy feet with sticky perfume with your hair. Probably not your first impulse, right? This is a grand gesture. This is clearly an act of love. Mary is just so grateful for how Jesus has changed her life and how he brought her brother back from the dead. And, and here, here, Mary knows that Jesus' life is coming to an end. And this is her last chance to express her honor and, and, and love uh, to Jesus. And of course, no, no gesture was grander, no sacrifice greater than what Jesus did for us. Let's take a look here at Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verses 1 and 2. Would you say this with me? Uh, let's say this together, okay, on the count of three. One, two, three. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice uh, to God. You know, it's interesting, Paul uses this phrase, fragrant offering. It's almost hinting back to the story of Mary and the perfume. And so Mary's sacrifice revealed not only a beautiful commitment and a beautiful uh, love, but it was also a beautiful risk. Because Mary's encounter with Jesus, this took place right before Passover. Passover is like the 4th of July in Jerusalem. They celebrated their freedom from slavery. They had spent 400 years in slavery in Egypt. And so every year... Back then, uh, hundreds of thousands of, of people, of Jewish people, flocked to Jerusalem. And so there are people everywhere. And there's this political fervor. And suddenly, everybody became a Jewish patriot. But what makes this timing even riskier is that there was a wanted poster for Jesus on every corner of, of Jerusalem. In fact, look at what Mark writes here in the verses right before this encounter Mary has with Jesus. The Passover and festival of, uh, of unleavened bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and uh, kill him. I'll tell you why they're scheming to kill him. Remember three months ago, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And word spread, and more and more people started following Jesus. And the teachers of the law and the chief priests, their crowd is shrinking. 
their followers are getting smaller, and they became jealous, and they felt threatened by the growing popularity of Jesus. And so they started, they started planning to kill him. And so when Mary uh, breaks this jar and pours this perfume on Jesus, it, understand, it is a risky time. It is a tense time. It is a dangerous time. Now, how does this relate to you and, and to me? Well, if you want to do something beautiful for Jesus, if you want to make a sacrifice for Jesus, there, there's probably not going to be a convenient time for that. It's probably going to involve some risk and some courage. You might say, I'd like to invite my family. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd like to invite my family to come, to come to church for Easter and, and hear about Jesus. But everybody seems so busy. This is just not a good time. Or maybe you say, you know, I'd like to go on a mission trip for Jesus and, and, and serve uh, the, the, the poor. But it's just not the right time, you know, in the economy. But listen, if you want to do something beautiful for Jesus, it's, it's, probably, it's probably not going to be a convenient time uh, for that. It's probably going to involve some risk and some uh, courage. Reminds me of a story I heard uh, recently about a high school football player in uh, Amarillo, uh, Texas, by the name of Tanner. Tanner wasn't like a superstar athlete or the most popular kid in high school, but he made a decision that he's going to invite every player on his uh, JV football team to come to church and hear about uh, Jesus. And he wasn't very subtle about it, you know. He just said, hey, you want to go to church? And he asked everybody, and only two guys said yes, until he had a career-ending back injury. Somebody, uh, somebody hit him, took a hit. He took a hit, and it really messed him up. But instead of quitting the team, he kept going to the practices. He kept going to the games and, and, and serving the players and cheering for the team. And that won him their respect. And the two became five. And the five became ten. And now his mom is driving kids to church. And the dad is driving kids. Tanner goes to the youth pastor and says, could we borrow the church van? Because I've got 25 kids that want to come to church. And his youth pastor says, Tanner, I can't tell you how proud I am of you. That's like... That's almost half the kids on the team. And Tanner looked back at his youth pastor and said, half was never my goal. I want the whole team to come to Christ. There's even more to the story. Tanner turns 20 years old and he's diagnosed with cancer. It's attacking his leg. He, he makes frequent flights from Amarillo to Houston for treatment. He recently asked his parents not to sit next to him on the airplane because every time he, he's, he's on the airplane and somebody sits next to him, they're going to ask him about his leg. And it's an opportunity to talk about Jesus. And uh, he doesn't want his mom or dad taking up a seat of someone who could hear about the Lord. That was bold. That was risky. That was inconvenient. But it was something beautiful Tanner did for Jesus. He broke a jar and poured it out for Jesus, just like Mary. Mary displayed a beautiful commitment, a beautiful love, a beautiful risk. And then she also left a beautiful legacy. Mary left a beautiful legacy. But I don't think in that moment, in the moment, she had any idea how far the impact of her sacrifice would spread when she broke that jar. In that moment, she had no idea how Jesus would respond. In that moment, she had no idea. The Apostle Mark is sitting over here, and he's taking notes. And when he writes his second gospel in the New Testament, he includes her story in the Bible. That's a pretty big deal, right? And she had no idea, 2,000 years later, churches like River Glen are still talking about what she did. In fact, I think Mary may have felt the opposite. She may have felt uh, embarrassed because several 
several in the room pushed back on, on, on her. It says some of those present were saying indignantly uh, to one another, you know, why this waste of perfume? It says they, they rebuked her harshly. Some would include Judas, maybe Peter, maybe James, uh, maybe John. And, and they were harsh in criticizing her. I mean, nobody defends Mary. Her sister Martha doesn't defend her. The host of the party, Simon the leper, doesn't defend her. Simon may have been miffed because she became the center of attention at this dinner for, for Jesus. Nobody defends or likes what Mary did except Jesus. And that was enough. In fact, Jesus is so moved by her beautiful sacrifice that he says, she poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. She gets it. Nobody else, none of the other guys understood that Jesus was, was going to the cross. And then Jesus says, truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Through her sacrifice, she left a legacy. I'll tell you, the longer that, that I live, um, the, the less I find myself concerned about longevity and the more interested I am in impact and legacy. Not just a long life, but I want to make sure that what I do for Jesus goes beyond my life. And if you're interested in doing something beautiful for Jesus and, and leaving a legacy, then like Mary, you know what, you're, need to, you're going to need to have a laser focus on Jesus and his approval alone. Because it's possible that no one else is going to like or encourage what you're about to do. Sadly, the other disciples, the other Jesus followers in the room, they missed the beauty of what Mary did. They got mad. They weren't in, in, in inspired. But I don't think we should be too hard on them. You know, the idea of sacrifice can, can be uncomfortable. So let's go back to that original question that I posed. What is, our, what is our response to stories of sacrifice? What is our response to this story of sacrifice? Does it change us? Does it inspire us to a heroic act? Do we find ourselves moved to sacrifice for the good of others? Or do we find ourselves saying, oh, that's not for me. I could never do that. And walk away in fear or anger. Let me tell you one more story. One more story about two high school students named Becca and Kevin. They were boyfriend and girlfriend and they're seniors. and They're getting ready for the, for the prom, senior prom, which is a big deal to teenagers. But these two were Christians. And part of, part of the way they expressed their love for, for Jesus was uh, by being hall buddies for Gunner and Tammy. Gunner and Tammy were mentally disabled, and so they would help them go from class to class. They would hang out with them, you know, in the hallway. They would talk with them and befriend them in a place that sometimes was not very friendly to people with disabilities. But it came time for senior prom. Becca started thinking, you know, I only get one senior prom, but I'm going to have a lot of other events in my life with great memories. But Gunner and Tammy probably won't. And so Becca took the money that she saved for her prom dress, and she went and she bought a dress for Tammy. And she offered to help Tammy and, and, and Gunner go together. They helped uh, Gunner ask Tammy. They had a crush on each other, and they were delighted to go. But it meant that Becca would not have the senior prom that she dreamed of because Gunner and Tammy needed constant help. And so the day of the prom, they turned Tammy's house into a salon. They uh, had people come over and give her a manicure, a pedicure, a, a new hairdo, and, and they just dolled her up. But they ran out of money, 
And so they, they turned Becca's home into an Italian bistro so that Gunnar and Tammy could have a, a romantic uh, dinner. And Becca's whole family joined in. Her parents cooked. Her siblings served the food. And they just lavished Gunnar and Tammy with, with love. And then they went to the prom. But this particular school made a big deal about the red carpet. The red carpet went from the limo to the entrance of the dance hall. And parents would just kind of line the red carpet. And they would cheer when they're child would walk by. But Gunnar and Tammy had no interest in a limo. What they were interested in was a big green trolley that was the public transportation where they lived. They loved that thing. And so Kevin rented one, and the four of them pulled up in this big old trolley, and Gunner's ringing the bell, Tammy sticking her head out, waving to everybody. And every parent of every kid cheered the loudest when they walked up the red carpet. You think, what does that have to do with Mary and Jesus? You might think it doesn't have much, but it does. That's Mary. Because every kid in that high school knew about their sacrifice, and they knew the reason that Becca and Kevin sacrificed their senior prom was because Jesus sacrificed for them. Just like Mary, Kevin and Becca broke a jar and poured it out. Jesus. And I wonder, I just wonder, you know, what would it look like in your life for you to take a jar, one of your jars, break it and pour it out for Jesus? Maybe sometime between now and Easter. I don't know what that would look like. Maybe for you, as you walk out today, we're going to have some invitations to our Easter services. And maybe for you, you just grab a bunch of those and you personally invite, you use those to personally invite people that God has put in your life that need to hear about Jesus. Or maybe for you, it's to host a small group in your home. Maybe for you, it's a call to a, a foster child. Or maybe for you, it's to be extremely kind to someone who is disadvantaged. Maybe for you, it's to start to give sacrificially, generously. Maybe for you, it's to go to the uh, contribute corner in our lobby today and find a way to start volunteering around here. Maybe for you, you make a decision to do an internship on a church staff. Maybe for you, it's a call to ministry. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what Jesus is leading you to do, but I know that 2,000 years ago, Jesus lived the most beautiful story of sacrifice the world has ever seen. Now, the world had seen sacrifice before. That was not a new concept. You know, many ancient cultures practiced animal sacrifice. Did you know this? They practiced animal sacrifice as a way to appease the gods. I mean, they just lived in constant fear of making the gods angry. And who wants to make a god angry? And so what they would do is they would sacrifice animals. But then Jesus comes along and he just flips this concept of sacrifice on its head. At, at Christmas, God takes on human flesh in the form of Jesus. And then you fast forward to Easter and Jesus becomes the ultimate sacrifice for all creation. In a world where many cultures uh, sacrificed animals to try and, and, and appease you know, the gods... God himself, the one true God, sacrifices himself in Jesus for people like you and me. I mean, Jesus didn't come to sacrifice another life. He sacrificed his, his own life and became a model of what sacrifice should look like for his followers moving forward. Jesus', Jesus example teaches us that there is no sacrifice that is too great when it comes to helping more people find him and follow him. And so let's remember the, the, the beautiful sacrifice of Jesus as we, as we share communion. And, and I challenge you uh, to make a decision today to 
break a jar for him and pour it out and do something beautiful for Jesus between now and Easter. Let me pray for us, and then we'll share communion during this next song. And our communion is open to anybody who says yes to the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Let me pray. God, I pray that uh, <clears throat> this story about Mary and this alabaster jar of perfume is, is not just another sacrifice story that we hear that inspires us and motivates us, but I pray this story today is a call to action. I pray that, that her story leads us to action that we see ourselves in this story, and we aren't afraid of it. We're not intimidated. But we decide, I want to live a life like that. I want to sacrifice like that. I pray that your spirit would lead us and make clear to us how we can do something beautiful and sacrificial for you between now and Easter and then beyond. God, thank you for the example of sacrifice that Jesus set for all of us, and thank you for the opportunity to remember it now as we share communion together. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.